We want to talk about refugees today. And I have Gerard here who works in Greece, where so many refugees are first touching Europe. And I have Susie here who works kind of at the other, other end of the pipeline in Germany, where people are beginning to settle and often having real difficulties. We know that the subject of refugees uh, comes and goes, and, and when we have some really dramatic image, like a, the body of a little boy on a beach, people think about it for a little while. But news cycles are short, and it disappears from our conscious awareness. But for people who have a heart for God and for other people, the issue of refugees really should never be very far from our lives in prayer and in compassion and as a point of staying informed. You know, starting from about 1992, uh, tens of thousands of Christians began to pray for a month or so every year for the Muslim world. At that point, because I was part of initiating th that uh, project, we, we didn't have much hope, really, because there were so few people turning to Jesus out of Muslim background, even though they know about him. What they learn is enough misinformation that it turns them away. Things began to change almost immediately. Uh, they began to have Muslim, uh, reports from Muslim people from all over the world having dreams and, and visions and healings and encounters with a man in white, and then they would find some Christian somewhere who, who would be able to explain, well, maybe that's Jesus. And, and we started seeing that happen. We were all praying for a big harvest. We never dreamt that it would come with such magnitude and also with such complexity. It's a huge harvest, but it's not an easy harvest. And so Jared and, and Sousa both have experience of, of what it's like. And, and Jared, how did, how did it happen for you? You've been involved, what, a year and a half or so now? About, about a year, almost a year now. Okay. How did it happen? Well, basically, um, 13th of October 2015 on our YWAM base, we're in an intercession time. And we're praying into this crisis because images have reached us that boats of refugees were crossing the, t the sea from Turkey, uh, crashing on the on the beaches of Greece, and it was just a lot of a lot of hardship going on, a lot of need. And so we're praying into that. And so often uh, in prayer, um, when we pray into something, like God speaks, and God spoke, send a team. And so we send a team. Twenty four hours later, I was part of that team. Had the privilege to lead it found an opportunity to start serving into the refugee camps uh, on the island, the Greek island of Lesbos. That was well, receiving the why Lesbos? Well, Lesbos is an island that is uh, located about six, seven miles away from the Turkish shore, actually. So it's really close. Yeah, so when you're standing on the beaches and people could actually, in the distance, see the boats uh, getting filled with refugees while oh, they were crossing, coming into and onto the shores uh, of Europe. Well, what was it like when, when you got there? What did you, what did you experience? It was complete chaos and disaster. Um, we arrived there right at the time that the crisis was hitting, like its highest points of arrival numbers. There were literally thousands of people, 100 plus boats with like 40 to 60 people in it, uh, basically landing on the beaches of this small island every day. And there was just mass chaos, no coordination, um, lots of need, uh, a lot of traumatized people and basically not enough means and not enough hands to help the people. And, and, and God opened the door there for, for us to start working. So did you have previous experience of organizing 
refugee camps? No, not at all. <laughs> so, so actually, there was a place for people who didn't have skills but just were ready to help. That's right, that's right. I think YRAMers are, and, and, and believers are fit for this kind of work because it involves solving problems, just showing godly character, being good servants, uh, giving your best to people in need. It's, it's all very basic things. If you're, if you're able and willing to work some hard, long days and to love on people in need and to comfort the ones that need it and serve whatever comes your way, it is a fantastic environment to serve in and to actually get a heart for people and to get a heart for nations and to get a glimpse of God's heart. Uh, it was that way then. Is it still that way now? And and if so, uh, how, how long do people need to come for to be of any real help? So there, there has been a shift in the crisis, as, as in there's been a deal between the European Union and Turkey that really keeps a lot of refugees on the Turkish side right now. But there's still a couple of dozen and sometimes more, up to 100 a day that arrive. Um, but because the, 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 the refugees are not allowed to travel onwards into Europe, so actually camps are getting fuller, they're overfilling. Uh, even though it's not very much in the media anymore, camps are full of people in need and yeah. they're actually desperate for teams to come. Because as, as a lot of the media has moved on, um, there's not enough attention for it anymore, but actually the need, I would say, is as, is as high as it has ever been. Yeah, because really a lot of those people who came were coming thinking they were in a processing and transit camp and it turned into like a prison, didn't it? That's so right. they're still there. That's right. And and a lot of the other organizations, I think, pulled out too when, when the deal was done. Yeah, there were, and I mean, some of these organizations, big international NGOs, they, they do not pull back from much, but the moment it was decided that the refugees would not be allowed to apply for refuge where they wanted to, and they were basically getting stuck in camps um, in, in Greece and on the Greek islands, uh, the camps would have would have been considered from that moment onwards detention centers instead of transition camps. And from one day to the other, people just got stuck, stuck at borders, yeah. stuck in camps, uh, double fences, spotlights, and barbed wire. Okay, I want to come back to that, but, but let's go to Sousa, because before they got stopped, already there were over a million people who, who found their way on through southern Europe and, and into Germany. And uh, you're in a small town. What, what size is the town and how many refugees? Blankenburg is a tiny small town with 6,800 people. 6,800. And we have 300 refugees. 300. Well, where are they staying? Um, well, they're staying in apartments, but also we have an old school that closed down. So about 100 of them stay in the school. And, and uh, w w did the government provide people to receive them? And, and, uh, or or what happened? It's actually a very interesting story, uh, you know, to see how God actually provide or prepares people. Because we got the base two years ago, we, you know, God gave them, uh, gave it as a gift to us. And when I asked the Lord, how are you going to fill the house? Uh, because we're in the middle of nowhere. God spoke to my heart and he said, I will send you the students, but they will look differently from what you expect, mm -hmm. what you're expecting. And um, the very first week when we wanted to start our disciple training program, we needed to cancel the cancel because we weren't ready and this was the day when we got the information that the first refugees arrived two years ago so I got in contact with the social department and they asked us to help them out because they weren't ready they didn't have enough social workers so we helped them out and actually on the day when they arrived uh, I was at the train station with our team and I was a little bit aside and as they got off the train 
I heard the Lord speaking to me, are you willing to see them not as refugees, but as young people I'm sending you to train them to become world changers? And that's a thought you don't think for yourself. That's uh, something that I, I believe that the Lord spoke to me right in this moment. And I looked at them and they look like Joseph and Mary when you know, yeah. for Christmas. <laughs> Like how we know they arrived, they had their plastic bags and they looked around, where are we now? And later on, they told us how, through how many countries they had to walk and what a long journey they had. And then they finally arrived and then we could be there and we said, welcome, you know, and you're new home. It must be an, a, a really intimidating and sad situation when there's nobody there to say that, huh? Yeah. And, and obviously a government can't, yeah. can't suddenly find... 10,000 new people they can put on the payroll to, to go greet refugees. So it really is up to the believers as, as Christians that ought to be Absolutely. at the train stations and the bus stations. Hey, you, uh, there was one other thing, sorry, Susan, uh, you said about your base. You, you got an old printing press place, offices, but, but a big a big building in Bad Blankenberg, yeah? It's a big Just building. Just so pe people can picture it. Exactly. It's a huge building. Uh, it's uh, 1,000 1, 800 uh, square meters, four stories big, and we were a small team of five, six staff. And uh, so we just started to to pick the refugees up, and then we train, we gave them German lessons, and we played soccer with them. We did renovations together with them, and so we started building relationships. And um, and so now it's two years ago, and you know, with some of them we talk once in a while. And I just recently said. When did you guys arrive again? And they said, it was the 18th of September. We will never forget this day. When you were at the train station and we got off the train and you stood there with chocolate and with water and you said, welcome in Germany. And yeah, and they said, no, it changed our life forever. And every time when I asked them, how are you doing? They said, we feel safe. And Fantastic. So it opens your eyes. Uh, you know, in what society we live in. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of people are focusing on the high risk of having so many people come in. But I think what you've just illustrated is that if we focus on the high risk and we're afraid, we're going to have big problems. Mm -hmm. But if we focus on welcoming and loving, th they're not, they're not going to be violent towards the people who love them. We have, um, among our, we have about, mm, I would say, 100 refugees a week that go through our base. And, um, and uh, we have a few of them, they are seen as radical Muslims, and yet they love our base, and, you know, and they respect the rules, and, and we have sometimes hard discussions, but there's something that keeps, they keep coming back. We have a few that uh, said they want to become Christians because, um, you know, one young Afghani guy, he came up and he said, you know, Susa, I walked through nine countries. And he said, I, everywhere I looked, there was just problems. Everywhere where, where Islam was, you know, the religion, there was so many problems. And I come into this country and I see how you treat the woman. I see how orderly everything is. And he said, if this is Christianity, this is all I want to have. So um, it's a whole new perspective, yeah. you know, when you work with the people. And actually, to be honest, in the beginning, I also was afraid. When I saw the first 50 Syrian men, and I had to translate for them for one hour, and after that, I, for one night, I couldn't sleep. 
But then the next morning I got up and I sat in, and the Bible it says 365 times approximately, do not, not fear. fear. We cannot be ruled by the fear. You know, if we allow ourselves to be ruled by the fear, uh, who else is going to do something? Yeah. 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 Wonderful. By the way, what are the uh, nationalities of the refugees you're working with? Syrians, we have Eritreans, we have Iraqis, we have Afghanis. That's the. So quite a wide range. Yeah. Okay, Jared. Let me come back to you. I, I, I heard a story from from someone who'd been on Lesbos, and, and they were talking about a guy who was a bodyguard to a, a very high-ranking uh, official, the highest-ranking official in one of the Muslim countries, and he'd he'd traveled around with with this uh, mature Christian woman uh, who was helping in the camps, and he's kind of self-appointed bodyguard, and uh, after a couple weeks. Of following around, he he said, "I want water on my head," which is interpreted as, "I want to be baptized. I want to become a Christian." Um, and I think it was he, the same guy who said, "He said you must talk to people as soon as they get here, because they know they're leaving Muslim nations and they're coming to Christian nation, and they want to know." Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the secular authorities say you can't you can't uh, talk to them about religion because it's exploitation or it's manipulation. Uh, but the Universal Declaration of Human Rights gives everybody the right to talk about their religion and change their religion. Uh, do you find that, that many of them are interested in Christian faith when they first arrive or, or show that interest in the camps? I think, I think the initial arrival of people, I think, can, can be marked by quite an amount of shock at times. And so I think what, what is required of believers is just a warm embrace and really uh, just receiving them with open arms and showing the gospel first yeah. of all i think yeah. what, what we have noticed yeah. is that that uh, the muslim cultures and the people that come they are in transition and i think their cultures even are very observant and so they will look at how do you live your life and conclude on uh, based on how you live your life what your belief system is and so if, if we are faithful and consistent with not just preaching a word but living the word before them opportunity will come as as susie shared that they will look at our lifestyles and it will be, what is it that you have because I see that you are different? What set of values, what, 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 what worldview or truth or what God do you serve? And often it goes paired with uh, many of them having had dreams and visions or yeah, miraculous yeah. salvations yeah. like this man who crossed the Syrian border and Jesus took their hand in him a blanket or, or an angel pulling a child out of rubble in Syria. And like, these are not sporadic stories like this this is what it what is going on and so yeah. i think with that maybe it requires a different approach than 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 western street evangelism that we're used to but there is very much interest and yeah. incredible openness for these people that are not just physically in transition but they're moving uh, from one spiritual realm and uh, rule to a new place to and a new they know that don't they i think they are aware of that yeah one of our Iranian yeah. translators he mentioned that because uh, he understands them much better, of course. And he said the, peop- the people are, are aware that they're transitioning from one place to the other. And though you can see the shore on the other side of the water, they, they are aware that they're transitioning spiritually. They moved. Well, as you can see, there are tremendous opportunities. And it's not just about seeing people come to faith. That, that is central. But we're not about preaching, preaching, preaching. Because Jesus said, if you offer that cup of cold water in my name, you've offered it to me. So a big part of the gospel is serving those who are in the greatest need. And right now in our world, 
Surely there are no people more needy than these stateless, homeless, rootless people who have gravitated to Christian, so-called Christian nations because they want a better life and they recognize they're more likely to find it there than anywhere else around them. We have lots more opportunities of service. If you are moved by this in any way or if you're a YWAM team looking for outreach or a DTS, go to ywam.org and, and have a look there. There'll be a link on into Refugee Ministries and, and you can plan an opportunity, three weeks minimum, and if you can come for a year or two, that'd be much, much better. But remember, there's opportunities on both ends, both where you meet them when they first come ashore, and then two years later, when they've been in your community, there's still a great need to love, care, reach out, make friends, and show who Jesus is by the way you live. Thanks very much for being with us.